Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You're Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. The Warriors played their first full game without Kevin Durant since the injury and since the diagnosis, and they lost 94-87 to the Chicago Bulls, a game that was typically much closer than that result. But before we really get into it, I want to say that this episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. You can check it out. to great way to buy and sell tickets. And if you download their free app, you can go to, it's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. You go to enter a promo code under the settings tab and L-O Warriors will give you a $20 rebate on your first order. Again, that's L-O Warriors. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later on. I don't want to overreact too much to this game because the Warriors did lose to an inferior team and the Bulls are right now, they're starting Jerry and Grant and Bobby Portis after their trade deadline deals and everything else that's going on. And they're certainly not the most potent team in the world, though it looks like they're going to make the playoffs. So it's a couple of different things at once, but the end of the game does really stick with you a little bit. So the Warriors didn't score from, I think it was about 547 until just under a minute left with Andre Guadalla. And it's a little bit different than some of their other struggles that they've had because some of the misses were shots they normally make. I mean, you can think about the time that in transition, Curry passed the ball to Thompson in the corner, wide, wide open, and he missed the three. A couple other ones like that. Their only make was an Andre Guadalla dunk on a blown coverage. I think it was a cut, and they, they the Bulls just missed him. And that is still, though, that's still concerning because the Warriors only took, so they, they had 11 shots during that time period, and only three of those shots were in the paint even at all not just the restricted area in the paint I don't even think there were any other ones that were particularly close and you can take threes I mean it's not the worst thing in the world especially when you have the best shooter of all time Stephen Curry who actually passed Kobe Bryant for 11th all-time and made threes during this game you also can deal with that but what Kevin Durant provided was a, a foundation or as I put it in my piece for The Athletic, a margin for error. He was so consistently efficient on offense and then was a, was a quality defender as well. He His dominance on that end waxed and waned a little bit based on the circumstance, based on his own effort and everything like that. But he certainly helped provide that foundation there as well. And the Warriors really missed that in this game because... Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson were a combined three of 22 from three. Thompson didn't provide much inside the arc as well. Curry ended up making a few more. He was eight of 16 inside the arc, and so he still had a 23-point night despite going two of 11 from three. But Durant provides a lot of that foundation, and I don't point as much to the to the 87 points because a lot of that can be dependent on pace and everything else, but shooting 38.6% from the field, shooting 20% from three, and then in many ways, most importantly, not getting to the free throw line. The Warriors only had 14 free throw attempts in the entire game, and more concerningly, only four of those 14 were in the second half. Andre Iguodala got fouled on the, the last full possession 
of the third quarter by Paul Zipser, and then Clay Thompson got fouled in the first minute of the fourth quarter, also by Paul Zipser. And so in that minute and a half of game time, they had four free throws, and in the rest of the second half, they had none. And the Warriors have had that problem, broadly speaking, outside of Bogut sometimes getting hacked and periodically Zeely as well. They've had that problem for a few years. Some people blame it on the officials, but a lot of times it's just that the Warriors don't do much call-seeking behavior. They're not very active drivers. A lot of the guys don't really go through players. They're more comfortable going around them. And what free throws can bring beyond getting the opponent in foul trouble and presumably changing around their rotations and distribution of minutes is that it's a reliable way to get offense. And the Warriors have good free throw shooters. They just don't have that many players that get to the free throw line. And that is not only easy points each play in and of itself, but it's also easy points in the collective because when the Warriors can get into the bonus early, they end up doing this. I believe the game that sticks in my head was against the Orlando Magic in, I think it was the fourth quarter of that game. It was the third where they got into the bonus early. It really did help them out. There have been a few others like that. I think the Hornets game too, when they were in Charlotte a few weeks ago. And Without Durant, it's going to be very hard for them to do that because the other players on this team, Pachulia sometimes can be good at drawing fouls. He had some nice moments in the Warriors' last game against the Washington Wizards, which they ended up losing, but it doesn't happen that often there. I think he also drew some fouls against against the Sixers, but those were mostly offensive on Julio Ogfor. And there aren't that many other players on this team that do that. JaVale McGee is not a particularly good foul drawer, at least in terms of shooting fouls. Their other bench players, are a lot of them are tentative. Iguodala was more active physically in this game, but still not a great foul drawer, just broadly speaking. Clark, Livingston, Curry, Clay Thompson, not a big strength for them either. So they can still survive. I mean, that's not to say the sky is falling or anything ludicrous like that for the Warriors, but it is an, an easy way to get offense that they aren't really doing as much. And that means without Kevin Durant that you're going to have to get more in every other way. And one of the other stretches of time that really did stick with me was when the Warriors let Rajon Rondo run wild at the end of the third quarter. And Rondo is a talented player still. I mean, he's bad defensively when he used to be good, but he has very specific strengths and weaknesses. And during that late stretch in the third quarter, he scored eight points in about five minutes. And I think most of that was actually in a a smaller stretch within that five minutes. The Warriors did very little to get him away from what he does. And Rondo is, he's a a savvy driver and and a pretty good passer, a great passer when he's really on. Sometimes he's a little overzealous with it. The Warriors weren't getting First of all, they they weren't really treating him as a jump shooter. But second of all, like you can you can stay off a guy because you don't think he's going to shoot a jump shot, but you can't let him get all the way to the basket. And Rondo can't really shoot that far out beyond that. So there were some failings there, and you can also get around that by help defense. And the Warriors' help defense during those five minutes was was really shaky, and so that allowed Chicago to kind of get back into the game to get a foothold and. Then they really ended up writing that not at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They really couldn't score in that first part. If they scored five or six points in the first six minutes, I think it was five points in the first six minutes of the uh, fourth quarter. But then when the Warriors completely went dry and only scored two baskets in the final six minutes, then they they had enough of a margin to come back and, and win the game going away. So. I don't, as I said at the beginning, like, I I don't think you want to read too much into this. 
because it is just one game and making all the adjustments. There is the weird mojo with the Chicago Bulls on TNT. They haven't lost. I think they've won their last 18 home games on TNT. I'm not saying there's any statistical merit to that. It's just kind of weird. So you have all those kind of things that are together, but you're starting to see these little warning signs of, okay, this is why it's going to be harder without Kevin Durant. And before I get into some of the other ways that this game was different, I want to tell you a little bit about SeatGeek. I used to be in the business before, actually before I made writing my full-time thing, one of my previous jobs was buying and selling tickets really all around the country, not only for sports, but for concerts. And there are a lot of different ways to buy and sell tickets there. You can, you know, you can get them from the original sell from the original source. You can get them from resellers. You can do lots of other things. And my personal go-to, even after spending years in the business, now since it's it's great, it's amazing product is SeatGeek. So you can do it online, or you can do it from their free SeatGeek app. Just go s e a t g e e k dot com, or you can use the app. And why I really like SeatGeek is that it's an aggregator, so they combine resources from a lot of different places, and you can check it out there. Or and actually it's and it's, it's both these things you can also use their deal score to really find the best value and you're really looking when you're buying tickets for the right combination of seat quality and price and everybody has their own determinations for how much they're willing to pay or what they're looking for and that's what SeatGeek's deal score is really getting after is trying to identify the right stuff and then you can calibrate that based on your own taste because they can see something as a good deal that's a very expensive seat they can see something as a cheaper seat it's just relative to seat quality relative to expectations and it's remarkable how good it is with that. I mean, I, I check it even sometimes just as a calibrator for events that I'm already going to and just kind of to see where the market is. And I know arenas like I just went to a show at the Fox Theater in Oakland, and I know that I know that place very well. I've been to a ton of shows there. Really do enjoy it. And I was just blown away that the, the way the way they were aligning it was exactly the tickets that I would have would have been looking for had I not already had my tickets to the event. I just wanted to see how it works out. And part of how SeatGeek is, is great for the, for listeners of this show is that you can try it out. And what you do is you go, you download the app, you go to settings tab, you enter the promo code LO Warriors for Locked On Warriors. So L-O-W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S. Buy the tickets just like you're going to normally do concert sporting event, whatever, whatever you really want to go to. And then if you enter the promo code, they just give you $20 back. It's a $20, $20 rebate on your first order. And so you get $20 you weren't going to have before. You get to try out an app that is totally worth doing. I check it out all the time if I'm going to go to something. And also you let them know specifically with that, that you came from us. So then they will be encouraged to do more ads for us, make, helps me make a living, and they can do that moving forward. And then, of course, that information can also be used in terms of engagement to try to pursue other advertisers. So you should definitely check it out. Free SeatGeek app, promo code LO Warriors. Something I found particularly interesting in this game was the way that Coach Kerr used his bench. So no surprise that Andre Guadalla played heavy minutes. No surprise that Sean Livingston played about 20. Those are pretty standard. David West was on the floor a little bit more than usual, but not a ton. And it was frustrating to me that he wasn't he at the on the floor towards the end of the game because at least in this contest he was the Warriors' best big man. He moves the ball well. He was active on the defensive glass, and he fits in with a lot of what the Warriors are looking for in that fifth guy or even fourth depending on how you want to align everything else he he's intelligent he's active and 
Instead, in that late part of the game, despite his lack of familiarity with everything, they used Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes played the last, I believe it was the last six minutes of the game. And that might be part of the reason why the offense was so stagnant, because you can't run a whole lot when one of the players joined the team that day. And it's not like he is a former warrior, but it's not like he ever played in this system or played in this scheme. He's been going around the league playing for every other team in the Pacific Division and many outside of it. And that's not a knock on Matt Barnes. It's just what his career has been. And to lean on him when it wasn't like Barnes was playing super well earlier in the game was jarring and certainly made it harder for the Warriors. I thought Patrick McCall looked pretty solid overall. He was a little bit reluctant to shoot early on, but he was playing active defense. He was moving the ball, wasn't making too many mistakes. So McCall would have been a reasonable option. As I said, David West would have been a good option. And just any any real number of them and and Barnes has a part to play on this team it might also be that Kerr wants to prove hey I'll play whoever and that you know everybody needs to stay ready but it wasn't the right time for Barnes there and also I was surprised that James Michael McAdoo didn't play at all in this game while there are different ways of addressing Kevin Durant's absence and I expected one of them would be to go bigger a little bit more often. That could be playing McAdoo at the four, could also be playing David West at the four, which is something they should definitely do considering they have some trust in Petrulia and JaVale McGee. And we didn't see either of those things in this game. It's just one game, not, not necessarily permanent in any way, shape, or form, but certainly interesting in that way. And the other development that I think was important was this is another contest where JaVale McGee looked off and just wasn't as as much of a value or as much of a contributor as you would really want. There are times that he will do well. He certainly thrived in Pachulia's absence, but his lack of real kind of like force or judgment necessarily with the ball in his hands is is a challenge because JaVale if you put him in the circumstance to succeed he'll do a pretty good job and the Warriors did that when West and Petrulia were out but the more discretion you give him the more he's going to struggle so in this game there were a few times where he got decent post position and the Warriors gave him the ball and He's just not that good in that spot. If you give him an alley-oop, if you give him an easy path, something that relies on his athleticism, or something where he has just a very basic thing to do, like a catch and dunk or something like that, he'll nail it. He, he's great at that. He can be active on the offensive glass. He can be, be active defensively, try to get in the way of shots. But they were giving him too much, too much leeway, giving him too much there, and that's just not using what he does very well. But again, all of those sorts of things, you know, McGee struggles, playing Matt Barnes in crunch time. The Warriors still could have won this game going away if either Curry or Thompson, much less both, make the shots they normally make. So there will be consternation inevitably that, you know, that the Warriors lost. They they broke the streak of back-to-back regular season games without losing and I don't. I, I think that's an accomplishment. I'm not going to try to to knock it as an accomplishment, but it is a little bit weird to do that when the Warriors lost consecutive games to the Thunder and then lost three in a row to the Cavs, of course, in the finals. But it is an achievement. Strange to, that it got kind of a little bit buzzier. But when you make history, you make history. And so now that's over. Now the Warriors still have more on this road trip, which seems like it's taking forever. They have two days off, and then they play the Knicks, and then. I think they have one more one more game before that, but or one more game after that. But anyway, 
Oh, no, then they play the Celtics. So I, I wonder where they're going to go, how they're going to adapt to this, and then whether this will really become an experimentation opportunity if they can take what they learned in this game and in future games and just try a bunch of things, throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I, during the game on Twitter, advocated for playing David West more with the starters. I think David West is either their best or second best big man, and the limitations that they have put on his role have been very frustrating because he can do more, and especially right now, and his his shot creation, his activity can really, really help some of the more stagnant times that they have, and I believe he is physically capable of playing more minutes. From what I've been able to tell, him playing 12 to 15 minutes a game is not the same kind of thing as Sean Livingston with his lower body injuries in his past. It's more just that they don't want to push him too hard. And especially if he's not going to be a massive part of the playoffs, this is a time to use it to, to see what you can get from him. And whether the Warriors can can win a game against the Knicks, a team that is flailing, team that's fledgling, is going to be important because now I had talked about, you know, and at other times about how it looks like they were pretty comfortable in the one seed, and they certainly are still, in my eyes, the favorites to do so. They have a three-game lead on the Spurs, and the Spurs are going to do well this year, but I don't think they're going to push hard for every single every single game. But any losses like tonight where they have against in games that they could or arguably should win, those all matter because they still play the Spurs twice. They still have tough games against the Rockets and numerous other teams. So need to make sure that you take care of business against the dregs and the teams that are above the dregs, but still beatable. And then that gives provides the margin. The other way to do it, and the Warriors have done this at moments in this season and in the past, is if you beat the best teams, then you get a little bit more of a margin against everyone else. But that's a more dangerous proposition. So I wouldn't lean that direction, at least for right now. So thank you so much for listening. This will be the last podcast until that Knicks game. I'm working on a couple of other different things, but you know it's gonna gonna take a little bit of time to to do the weekend. And of course, then the Knicks game will be the podcast on. Well, I might actually put it out earlier on Sunday, considering the game is at 12:30 Pacific time. One of those. It's not a full matinee in New York, but it's pretty close to it. So that'll be worth watching. If you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com, at DanielLaRue on Twitter. I read everything. You that you take the time to write it. I will take the time to read it. I respond to what I can. That is not the promise that I make. And if you want to support the show, leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choice. Subscribe, download every episode, uh, tell other people you think would enjoy the show, and definitely check out SeatGeek. S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K, and the promo code is L-O Warriors for Locked On Warriors, and you get $20 off your first purchase. So thank you so much for listening. Take care, and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.